listeners, welcome to the next session. An advice podcast for game masters seeking help with their next game session. I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns. And I hope we sound a little better. Yeah, we're coming at you with some uh, new equipment. Same room, new equipment. We ditched the tunnel box. Yeah, it's a gift for our one year anniversary of our podcast. Actually... Actually, it was a birthday gift. Yeah, Adam had a birthday, and he asked for more, better recording stuff, yeah. which was the smart move. Now we have, like, a cool slider thing, and we can, like, we can record in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> yes. Hello. Thank you. I'm so glad you're so happy to be here. <laughs> Adam's uh, waving to nobody. I'm wa- <laughs> Unnecessarily on the podcast recording, I'm still waving. He apparently. still waves. Adam talks with his hands, you guys. There's a lot of times in the podcast where I've had to edit out his hand hitting his own mic because... Aww. Oh, <laughs> so I don't know if this was a good idea or not, but Adam's not a good soundboard idea. birthday present came preset with sound effects and he has access to it. I can't even reach it. I'm a, I'm across the room from him. Yeah, it's great. I can crack whatever jokes I want and then I can have people laughing to it. Oh yeah, I know. I am hilarious. <laughs> I can, I can get a little. <laughs> yeah. That goes a little faster than you think it does. It does. That one That one is like, bam, it really comes out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but you know what's really good? It means you can have coffee and you're not spewing coffee breath at me. That is true. It's amazing. We're, we're, we're now across a gigantic room from each yeah, other. Yeah, I can't even touch him. It's so cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Married life, you guys. Go over there. You go way, no, you go. way over there. You go So over far there. away. I'm so sad. Aw. <laughs> you ruined it. I was sad for you. <laughs> for a second. For a split, split second. second. <laughs> no, I'm not sad. Hey, should we do uh, questions? What is the thing we do on this podcast? <laughs> what is that? the thing we do? <laughs> we it's do been a year. Apparently my... my <laughs> His Google voice assistant just cracked on. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, we do next session help. Oh, yeah, that one. From let's listeners the, with questions. One. I like that one. And this one comes from Hawacky Noodle. Hawacky. Hawacky Noodle. It's Hawacky Noodle. With, with noodle spelled N-U-D-L-E. Oh, oh it's a very racy noodle. Woohoo! fancy noodle. <laughs> Birthday suit a noodle. Nood, yeah, noodle. Um, Wacky Noodle says, my player didn't like the way... I made her actions have consequences. I'm very new to DMing, and one of my players, who is also pretty new to D&D, didn't like something I did. Basically, she had rented a boat, which was a canoe, from a shop on the coast. The price was already haggled down from 70 to 50 gold. She then used Charm Person on the shopkeep, succeeded, and asked for a quote-unquote friend's discount. She got it and then went on with her mission. Later, she comes to bring the boat back to the shop, but the shopkeep is mad because he realized he was magically manipulated. She left before he would yell for the guards, and then the player told me afterwards that she didn't like how the encounter went. Um, I was just joking around, plus I wanted to bring the boat back. In her defense, I was running a pretty lighthearted campaign, and it's not often very serious. Does that mean I should run Charm Person differently? Although it specifically says the target will be aware of it after it runs out. P.S. Although she's a new player, she's aware of the spell having this after effect. What What do you do? The, the so I'll just say for the record, I think I think both parties were were wrong on this one. I think the game master was wrong, and I think the player was wrong. Do you think they were both wrong? Yeah, really? I think they were both wrong in the sense that uh, I think the player is wrong. The charm person spell definitely has that effect. It has it has the effect that after the spell wears off, you know that you have been charmed. And how would you feel if your emotions had been manipulated by magic by somebody so that they could get something out of you? Like, I would be upset by that oh, yeah. too. I'd, I'd be, be swindled. I would. I, I'd be swindled. I'd be. I'd be more put off than, than that. That is like a a really kind of deep violation in a lot of ways. Like someone made you feel like they were your best friend through like a wholly manipulative means. You know um, what that reminds me of? What's um, that? Oceans thirteen. Yeah. The third movie where the guy's like, the nose plays, guys. The nose plays. Oh, yeah. But then he has to use some sort of like strong pheromone on his neck yeah. to uh, like seduce, fly thing. seduce the cougar. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is sort of like that. It's it's really 
immoral. It's like really, really kind of like a horrible thing to to imagine how you have like uh, manipulated somebody so so um, internally, like manipulated how they feel about something or how they what they think about you. That's that's a pretty deep manipulation. You're making charm person sound really bad. It's really bad. It, no, but it makes it, it I, makes me never want to have that a lot spell. Of, a lot of players like toss out charm person and and it, it creates lots of hilarious moments and I've had lots of amazing hilarious moments in games and I always have it have consequences. I always make sure that charm person at the end of it, you don't get to just keep being friends with this person unless you used charm person to then like somehow vastly improve that person's life. Oh, like you had to charm them off a cliff. Right. You charm they them were... to get them to step away from the cliff or yeah. like or like they were terrified to like run out of the burning building and you used charm person so that they would trust you so that you could save them from the burning building that they otherwise would have died in. Like maybe in that circumstance they would still maybe feel a little violated but they might be able to rationalize yeah, like later. Oh, well, you know, it was for it clearly saved my life. Uh, so maybe that would be worthwhile, but somebody charming you to like rip you off from your shop that you run for your livelihood. Yeah. They would be upset about that. So the player is in the wrong in that sense. However, the game master is in the wrong too. And the reason for that is I don't ever let a player cast charm person without reminding them that after charm person ends, this person is going to hate them. <laughs> Uh, even in the fire circumstance, I would just be like, just so you know, when the charm person wears off, this person will know that you cast charm person on them and they might not like you for that. I think that's a good idea. I do know that, I mean, Wacky Noodle is a new DM. I personally, I don't have everybody's spells memorized. I don't know what everybody's spells do. Half the time I have to go, Adam, I don't know. What does the spell do? What, you know, what? So I'm not going to know to read the effects like you know if someone cast um like flame bolt that's a spell so Shh, it's a spell and then it um, is it, a spell <laughs> flame bolt uh, there's yeah. fireball there's a flame bolt uh, there's a fire bolt oh see no you're flame real bolt. close <laughs> flame, no i make flame bolt you're purposefully making a non has an after effect that um dyes someone's skin purple if they get hit with the flames. I'm not going to remember in the moment when someone casts Flame Bolt to go, oh, 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 hell, oh, hold on. Do you remember that your your spell, like, let me let me metagame here. Let me tell you about your spell that you're about to cast. Like, I, I expect them to know the spell they're going to cast. Okay. I mean, that's that's a Just fair argument. playing except, a little devil's advocate Except here. Wacky Noodle made the shopkeep upset about having been charmed. Later. After the spell was up. It's true, but later. So what I'm thinking is what happened later after the adventure happened, they came back to return the bow, and the person in the meantime had looked up charm person and went, oh, they know what happened. Uh, well, I suppose that's a possibility. It could, it could happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your rundown is, is plausible. It's plausible. It probably didn't happen, though. You're probably right. They already knew what charm person was. It's plausible. And and actually, considering that, um, I do think that that this is a great opportunity for the game master for Wacky Noodle. It's a great opportunity for you to sit down with the player and, and apologize, essentially. You never want to be running a game that somebody is, like, really unhappy with. And even though, you know, the the interpretations of those rules you interpreted correctly. Yes, you did um, good. It was still, I, I, I get it. That player was like, oh, that's not what I wanted to have happen or that's not how I wanted that to play out. And And that's an okay place for you to say, oh, I'm sorry that's not, you know, I'm sorry the game wasn't a good game in a way that you were having a fun time. That's also a great place to clarify boundaries and rules. It's a great place for you to be able to say, but when you cast Charm Person, this is how it's going to be. Because if if we didn't have that consequence at the end of Charm Person, then you could use it as a basically a get-out-of-jail-free card almost literally yeah. at like to get out of jail. You could just be like jailer. I charm person in the jailer. Like, Hey, I'm your best friend. Why am I in jail over here? Like, uh, the power of charm person is so tremendous, which is why it has this consequence at the end of it to make it sort of feel a lot more balanced. And I think it's clear also to tell the player that it was to just reiterate that it's not a personal thing. It's not every time you cast charm person, it's yes. a charm person as a whole. If anybody casts it, including someone on your character, right? 
you will remember. Yeah. And that's often a really good uh, turnaround as a game master to remind players that when they are trying to bend or manipulate a rule to make something into something way more powerful than it should be. For instance, I've had players who try to say, oh, I can cast create water inside of somebody's lungs and drown them. And I say, you don't want me to allow that because if I allow that, then somebody can do that to you. Yeah, Um, that's gruesome. It's gruesome, and there are reasons why I don't allow that that kind of magic manipulation. You can't instantly kill somebody with a level one spell. Um, That's just not a reasonable use of level one spells. So a lot of the times, uh, turning it back around to the players and reminding them, well, if I allow you to do that, then I also have to allow then that, that that's how that spell works and that's how other people in the world. And so like the next time you come across a level one wizard, he's gonna he's gonna snap his fingers and create create water in your lungs and you're gonna die instantly. Um, and they probably don't want that either. Uh, it, it's it's also interesting because the argument that uh, wacky noodles player made was I was gonna return the boat anyway, but it was a boat rental. Well, I think what they're saying is I was being a good person. But they weren't. (laughs) They weren't being a good person. Like, objectively, they still charm person to this shopkeeper to get a discount on the boat. Whether or not they were going to return it, it's a boat rental. They should return it. That's how boat rentals work. Yeah, but, but, you know, she's saying I was joking around and, and I wanted to bring the boat back. Like, look at me. I'm I'm. Playing by the rules here. Oh, sure. I'm being a good person when I manipulated this this other person's feelings. Well, you're not supposed to look at that part. You're yeah. supposed to look at the good parts, don't you know? You know Hashtag might, sarcasm. You know what might be a fun like house rule for charm person? What? Is um, you have to force the player to just... Wacky dis- voices. Well, okay. Sure, that <laughs> might be fun. I mean, I'm always a fan of wacky voices. Um, you have to force the player to describe the the history of relationship that they are supplanting into the into the other person's head. Okay. So, like, when you, when I cast Charm Person on you, I have to, like, describe the long-lasting friendship that we have uh, that has spanned, has spanned, like, a long period of time that I'm, like, supplanting these memories into your head so that you believe me to be your best friend <laughs> oh so you want a montage flashback of <laughs> yeah. all of the friendship points like, which is which is not actually how charm person works because it could just as easily be the shopkeeper going like well i just met you but i think you're my best friend right i have a good feeling about you but i i do like the idea that like now all of a sudden they have these like long-standing memories of, it's me and the shopkeep and yeah. we're running on the beach yeah, now, I'm, running, now running, i'm burying running them in the, the sand up to their head and making their body look like a mermaid and we're, oh, we're laughing you oh. didn't notice i Put coconut shells on his boobies. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. He got out of the sand. Now he's chasing me. Uh, it's me. It's me and the shopkeep at the death of his parents and and the and the funeral. And I'm comforting him uh, through the through the difficult times that that he has ahead of him. It's me and the shopkeep on his birthday, and no one remembered, but I brought him ice cream with sprinkles. Yeah, it's like an episode of Rick and Morty. Yeah, uh, of like let me supplant like a whole bunch of fake memories <laughs> this, into this poor shopkeep's head. But you know what I like? I like the idea that the next time you use shop uh, charm person, it's the exact same memories just with a different person. <laughs> it's all. It's always the same. It's me and this ogre, and I'm burying his head. <laughs> I'm burying him in the sand up that's, to his head. That's just. This is just the formula the for montage. friendship yeah. <laughs> that everybody finds that to be like a, a like wow. I remember our. Our wonderful journey. It's me and the giant slug, and I'm burying him up to his head in the sand. <laughs> Man, you were always there for me. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. I like that. <laughs> um, either e- either way, I think it's a perfect opportunity for a discussion between player and game master, maybe even a discussion for the group as a whole to say, I never want to create a game that you're not having fun with, but I also have to set boundaries for the, for the world. Um, and so... Uh, I'm sorry you didn't have a good time. Let me clarify how Charm Person works. It's got this after effect. If yeah. if that's not what you want, then I'll let you trade out that spell. You can trade it out for some other spell if that's not the spell you want to be casting. Or or now you know. Now you know what the consequences of that are going to be in the future. And I like the idea of doing it in a group so it's not targeting the person. However, if the person came to you on the side and said, I, I didn't like how you ruled that and didn't bring it up to the group then you should have it on the side. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree that should be like an on-the-side discussion if it was originally on the side. Because otherwise it's like when, when I, okay, so 
You're in uh, this school. Is gonna, this is going to get a deep, deep into, no, no, no. into this is your totally psyche, random. the school psyche. No, we're in school and you like come up to the teacher after class and you go, hey, I, I didn't understand this one part of this um, lesson and it, it went right over my head. Could you explain it? And then the very next day in class, some people in the class have come up to me and said that they didn't understand this one part. And like you're just shrinking in your chair because you know it's you and yeah. But nobody else knows that. Well, it's but you. they could go. <laughs> Alyssa came up to me after class, and yeah, that's true. Then you're just like, ah, oh, that was private. But but I like that. If what what happens if you called out a, a mistake on a test, and they say, Alyssa pointed out that there was a I put a the I the teacher put a mistake on the test. So now everyone gets that point for free. Now everyone gets that point. for oh, free. Oh hell yeah, I want that. So if you if you do that here, if you say. Um, this player pointed out that they didn't have a great time because of the way the consequences worked out. And I'm sorry, that wasn't what, um, I, I intended. I didn't want you to not have a good time. Um, and I'm glad that they pointed that out and I'm glad they gave me that feedback. And this is how this spell works. Maybe, but if nobody else has charm person, then it's super singling them out. Yeah, that's pretty fair. Well, I mean, that's why you would say like very, very clearly it was this, this player pointed out. Yeah. That There's no have. way you could get around I'm it. not, yeah, I'm not, you know, it's a group of three or four people probably. So. <laughs> Although I don't know. I, I know a lot of game masters that are now running games like eight, eight, ten people. That's crazy. You guys are crazy. Yeah, I know. That's a lot of people. There's people listening to this who are like, oh, man, I run 8 to 10 people all the time. And they're, they're what like I'm telling you I run is 12. you crazy. Yeah. I'm exhausted thinking about That's it. That's three groups. 12 people is three yeah. three whole groups. I can Get divide. Get some other people to be game masters. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, thank you very much, Wacky Noodle. Wacky Let's move on noodle. to minimum fee 1105. Oh, a minimum fee of 1105. That's a really steep fee. Yeah, $1,105. Maybe it's $11.05. Oh, there you go. Yeah, where's the decimal? We don't know. It could be $1.05. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and fractions ten, of a ten penny. 10 cents and a half a cent. <laughs> and a hay penny. And a hay penny. <laughs> That's not that steep a fee now. Hey Penny just makes me think of Wacko's Wish. I know, Wacko's Wish and yeah. the Hey Penny song. I got a Hey Penny. Unbelievable. Um, okay. <laughs> Minimum fee says, uh, best way to run a collapsing dungeon? Okay. So my player characters are in a dungeon that exists to test and ultimately kill any potential heroes. And the goal is to have them fight the air elemental in the throne room. And then the dungeon will collapse on them. And they'll run right into the waiting arms of the real boss. But how would you arrange this? Skill checks, they're level six, and they can beat the boss. I'm so confused. So first of all, when they said when when you said collapsing dungeon, all I could think of was like a bouncy house that was like falling on top of. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is scary. Actually, it would be scary. It's I'm, really I'm terrifying. Yeah. You really feel like you can't get out because like the the ground is um, swallowing and, your yeah. feet, and it's terrible. Yeah, it sounds it sounds absolutely terrifying. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, along those lines, my sister, um, when we were kids, we were in our grandmother's hot tub and, um, grandma didn't know she was still in the hot tub and shut the lid on her Oh, and she flipped out oh, because yeah. it was Those terrifying. lids are heavy too. Well, it was heavy. She's a kid and there's only like an inch or so to breathe and it's all steamy water. Oh yeah. And so she's like banging and trying to scream, but can't because like if she opens her mouth too much, the hot water gets in. Oh, yeah. Um, so That's luckily scary. they got her out, but like freaked out yeah i once got locked in the car because i fell asleep and then my mom went into the grocery store um and And that's so typical of you adam (laughs) falls asleep in any moving vehicle it's totally true it's a good this is why i am the road trip driver uh that's totally true also um and the car had this weird setting where you couldn't unlock it from the inside of the car it would just automatically lock and then set off all the alarms in the car (gasps) So oh, I couldn't no. get out of the car, and I was, like, freaking out as a kid. And I kept setting off the alarm, and mom came storming out. She was oh. so upset because we were setting off the alarm again and again. I think my brother was in the car with me. Oh, nice. Which one? Older or younger? Younger. <laughs> nice. That's Alex. Um, um, okay, so <laughs> running a collapsing dungeon. They, okay. they want, collapsing dungeon. They want this dungeon. They want to fight an air elemental in the throne room of the dungeon, and then the dungeon will collapse, and they have to, like, run out of it. But it, they run right into the real boss or something like that. Okay, so if I'm reading this correctly, the the idea here is the dungeon is not collapsing 
as they're fighting in it. They're fighting, they're going down into the dungeon and then fight this air elemental and then the dungeon collapses. And then they exit the dungeon? So They run out of the dungeon as it's collapsing? The air elemental, think of the air elemental as a mini boss. And the real boss is behind that room over there. But what triggers after you fight, after you fight the mini boss, when you defeat the mini boss, the room collapses and you have to escape. And then you, you end up running into the... The big boss. But you're escaping out of the dungeon or you're, you're escaping, escaping deeper out of, into the dungeon? Deeper in. You're escaping out of the throne room. Oh, okay. I've done this. Of course you have. <laughs> so, Do you so. like the video game analogy, though? Come on. That was pretty good. I, yeah. I, I, under, I understand the concept of mini boss and boss. I, well, right. I, wasn't, I wasn't hung up on that. No, but I felt, I felt good you, making you did, it. You did a great job. Thank you. Um, the... <laughs> the, <laughs> the when I've when I've I've basically had like the floor collapse and the players then wind up in a in a new chamber that they then have to have to make their way through. Um, this is actually a really great tactic for my dungeon wasn't long enough. <laughs> and I accidentally <laughs> you guys got, got through the, that really quickly. I got the, to the end too soon, and now uh, I I just make a big room where the floor collapses. Um, when I do that. I make it a very basic skill check, basically just to see if you take any extra damage on the collapse. The really interesting part of a a room collapsing is actually mostly after the collapse and what happens in the recovery of it. Yeah, like um, are they stuck on either side of piles of rubble or who's right. hurt, who's not hurt? There is an interesting bit to room collapse or dungeon collapse if it's happening slowly. And you can continue to sort of react to new obstacles collapsing down in your path. Um, think Lord of the Rings when they are in the Mines of Moria and they're leaping from those pillar staircases. And then one of the pillar staircases like cracks and starts to fall into the next one. And then they're having to like leap from, you know, falling pillar sta- staircase to the next one, et cetera, et cetera. So like that kind of thing, that's pretty fun. But you got to do like a slow collapse so you could have something like the whole dungeon is is falling apart it's falling on top of you if it's like this pillar is falling and crunching into the next pillar and then that pillar is falling and crunching into the next one and run run get out get out as quick as you can like that kind of thing can be a lot of like skill checks and the real fun of something like that would actually be um it would be way more interesting if you had either rooms that were specifically designed to now be like interesting to traverse or even better if it was hey we're going to run out of the dungeon now and face the boss who is waiting for us out on <laughs> at the dungeon entrance uh laughing because we're collapsing. <laughs> he went out for groceries he went out and he came back and went oh, oh someone's in there someone's collapsed I guess I'll my just, house i'll just wait out here till they come out yeah um and uh but but then having to go back through the the rooms you've already been through but now they are collapsing or now that they have, you know, new obstacles that are in place because of the collapse, like that would be kind of a, a cool experience. I've got a, you know, six room linear dungeon, but now you got to make your way back out in a way where, where you've got these extra challenges kind of along with it. So, so that might be a lot of fun. It's like escaping the cave of wonders with the lava and the, right, exactly. and the carpet. Um, and so like now you're, you're coming back the same way, but now there's lava everywhere. And, but yeah. you've also like, you're in a, a much bigger rush this time. Kind of thing. I like the idea that it's an air elemental in the throne room and the air elemental, like right before it like dies or winks out of existence or however an air elemental dies. Um, does this big tornado-y, blowy thing, and you're, you're like, getting ready because you think it's going to hit you, and it's targeting the entire room, like, bouncing off the oh, walls, yeah. causing damage. I'm going to take you out with me. Yeah, right. Exactly. I like the idea that the air elemental, when you kill it, it was actually inflating this entire dungeon, and now you're in a giant bouncy bouncy castle dungeon that's collapsing. Oh, that's so terrifying. <laughs> and the, the ground is all uneven because oh your feet are sinking Difficult into the terrain. Um, yeah. Everything that, that you thought was stone was actually being inflated by an air elemental. That sounds like um, Treehouse of Horrors or something. Does, like, like th- That's a Halloween dungeon right there. Yeah. That's the final Pretty Halloween. Terrible. Like you go to fight this air elemental and like somehow you um you cut its face. I don't know if that would be how that works. And then suddenly it goes 
it's not even a real boss it's just a balloon animal (laughs) and and it was inflating and you suddenly realize that all these really hard rocks and stone that you've been well okay real squishy here's the question like what if someone's like i'm gonna take an axe to this door like earlier in the yeah dungeon? earlier in the dungeon. Uh, I mean, I would just make it magic. I'd make everything behave as rocks and stone and wood on the way in, and then the instant that you kill the air elemental, everything is now like effectively now. <laughs> it was an illusion, Michael. Yeah, I would totally do that. Um, I well, in that case, what is the big boss? Is it like a clown or something? Oh, or it like? has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Terror, Mad, or terrifying. Mad Hatter, kind of like. Uh, Mad Hatter's good. I like that. Uh, um, kind of puck like god of mischief that made an air or, elemental. Of the who's who's <laughs> that guy castle? with the ski mask? With the. Oh, Jason? Yeah, well, from Halloween. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's him. It was his birthday. He really likes bouncy castles. <laughs> what? Why? Okay. Halloween is his birthday. Yeah, I get that. He's like, coming around all the houses trying to invite kids to his to birthday his bouncy party. bouncy castle birthday? Yeah. <laughs> this is... But why does it have to be Jason? Because Halloween is his birthday? Is yeah. That, that's the only person we could think of whose birthday was on Halloween? Well, maybe it's Freddy Krueger, but he's got those big, like, sharp claws. That wouldn't work for a bouncy castle. I don't know that he canonically has a birthday on Halloween, though. Well, I don't think any of them do, honey. I thought that was the joke you were making. That is the joke I'm making, but now you're making it canonical. Um, it's important that the listeners understand that neither Alyssa nor I enjoy or watch horror movies <laughs> no, in any don't. way. I have seen a couple, and they have, they're have they terrifying. I know. Yeah. That's what they <laughs> I saw I Know What You Did last summer because I was sick in bed, and it came on the TV, movies. and I could not get myself to find the room. Actually, there wasn't a remote. It was back in the day. You had to stand up. And I had turn to get the off the bed. Or... I was in my parents' room. And they had a TV in their room, and I was sick, and I and I couldn't get off the bed to turn the TV off. I watched that whole movie. It was so terrible. I I believe it. Um, I had terrible nightmares of Poltergeist when I was a nope, never seen it. A kid, uh, and The Exorcist, both of those. Maybe it's Oogie Boogie. I'm the Oogie Boogie man. Yeah, it's Oogie Boogie. That'd be fun. Yeah. So the air elemental deflates the bouncy castle, and he comes out and goes. That's the oogie boogie bouncy castle. That was, uh, you know, that was his bouncy castle. That's pretty good. Yeah, he'd be fun to fight. We're getting way off topic here. Minimum <laughs> fee is so mad at us. I know. All they wanted I'm to know so was sorry, how do you fee. arrange? Do you do skill checks for uh, yeah a dungeon? I would do if I was like doing the slow. If I was doing quick escape. Uh, dungeon collapses, floor collapses. I would do a single skill check for everybody, probably a deck saving throw. Great, now you're in the rubble of the remaining room. And if I was doing a slow escape, uh, you're running out of the rooms as everything is collapsing around you, then I would do um, a few skill checks and I would make I would like I would make it maps. I would use probably gridded maps or something along those lines to do uh, to demonstrate like, oh, that room that you were just in, I, I would have used gridded maps the whole way in, and then, and then, you know, now that room is has these big holes in it, or there's there's a big pillar now in front of the door, what are you going to do? Um, and have, like, a series of sort of puzzles or obstacles to solve that would then involve skill checks. And you can also do the um, theater of the mind style. What is one epic thing you do to escape this room? Yeah, I don't know if we've talked about chases in the past, but... I think we have talked about chases. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do... Uh, where in a chase, everybody, you just sort of go around um, in initiative order or just pick it, pick an order to go around in, and then everybody describes one thing they're doing while their character is like running along in this in this chase. And it works really well if you're running away from something, if you're running toward, you know, chasing down somebody. Um, it can be a really fun sort of action-packed way to do that. Actually, this is largely pulled from 4th edition, had a whole... Um, skill challenge uh, thing that they had had done as a part of fourth edition that um, I think is tragic that it didn't make it into fifth edition as a part of the descriptions because it's spectacular. It's, it's a lot of fun to be able to run. Maybe it'll be in sixth edition. There you go. Whatever, whatever that, whatever that comes is. out. Um, so thank you, Minimum Fee. Sorry we got way off topic there. Um, Halloween is coming, and we're watching a bunch of um, horror movie ads like on Hulu, they keep popping up, and yeah, I keep totally I keep true. having to look away because they're too scary. So there you go. That's why. 
Thank you. Let's take a break. Oh, good. A break. And we are back. Oh, hey, we're back. How was your break? It was great. I took a nap. You took a nap? Yeah. Oh, man. In the car. I In the car? Yeah. Was it running? No. Oh, good, because it's in the garage. That would have been that, terrible. That would have been terrible. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Um, it's very comfortable. Uh, I don't think cars are that comfortable. I always end if I if I have to sleep in a car, which is very rarely... My, I get like a crick in my neck and my arm is all in a weird position. It's it's not great. No. I will admit it's not great. Couches, on the other hand, couches are the best place for naps. Nope. Yep. Nope. No, I disagree. <laughs> um, okay. Ask a GM, what's your ruling from Timp One Mandy? Timp, Timp, Timp Mandy? Tim, or it's Tim P1 Mandy. Oh, oh wait, maybe it's Timp One M and I. Timp one, Timp woman, Wum. woman. <laughs> <laughs> nope, apparently that was that was Liz's breaking point. <laughs> I blew the laugh track. I the laugh track. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I'm not laughing alone. One minute. <laughs> that was really funny. It's also late and I'm tired. Okay. Um, th- this kind of um, leads in from our last question, but uh, when is a map needed, like a battle map or an encounter map? I was wondering when I should give my player a map. Should I, A, describe them the situation so they have to imagine, or B, give them a drawing of the scenario? Um, are there any things to keep in mind? Thanks for the help. When do you use maps? When do you yeah, not use maps? actually a great question. It is a great question. Thank you, Timp Woman. <laughs> <laughs> and I. Alyssa, Alyssa just losing it over this name. Um, no, it's you. It's your interpretation of this name. It's, it's hilarious. If it's actually the interpretation, I will be floored. <laughs> but I don't think it is. It's just funny. This is such a great question because um, it depends is is kind of the answer. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> question answered. Done. Move um, on. Fix your life. I teach a lot of uh, uh, people how to be better game masters. I, I give a lot of talks and stuff on being a good game master. And one of the things I always try to emphasize is that everybody has their own style as a game master. Um, And I have taught people who love to use maps, who use uh, grids and minis and um, and props for their for for characters and descriptions and items. And I've taught people who never use any of those things and who only use theater of the mind for all their descriptions. And a lot of it really depends on the style of game master you want to have. That being said, um, my personal style of game mastering is that I really like having some kind of visual map layout for most combats and most puzzle scenarios. I find that that a lot of this depends a lot on on the players you have at the table as well. You know, depending on do they need a visual that they can latch onto or something that will help them understand the spatial placement of things. Keep in mind that when you're game mastering, even if you're the best theater of the mind game master in the world, if you've got four bad guys on the field, there's no way your players are paying close enough attention to figure out where the bad guys are at any one point in time. You're keeping it in your head, and they can't see what's in your head. And that means that you're constantly having to not only keep track of that for yourself, but you're also having to... um, keep describing that to the players again and again. You have to keep being like, there's a bad guy to your to your left, but he's a little far away from you, and there's another one right in front of you, and he's right right next to you toe-to-toe. And, and so, like, you have to keep keep doing that at the start of everybody's turns. And this was really important in 4th edition because there were a lot of things about crowd control. There was a lot of flanking and things like that, and so it was really important to be like, I need to know exactly where these enemies are so I can be strategic on my turn. Often true in 3.5 as well. 
fifth edition has really opened things up to being much more uh, available to theater of the mind play, which is great. Um, but it's still a challenge. It's still a challenge depending on the scenario that you're putting the players into. Um, and, and you always want to be thoughtful and mindful of what kind of information the players actually have. And is this a cha- too much of a hurdle, uh, too much of a challenge for them to try to keep track of everything that you're describing in their own heads um, for the scenario or for the circumstances that I'm in. And I'll also say it's totally okay for you to flip-flop back and forth. I've had combats where I go, it seems like we're having trouble visualizing this. Let me draw it out for you. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with starting in theater of the mind, recognizing that it's a challenge for your players, and then swapping to a grid. Um, your players will, if, if nothing else, just appreciate the opportunity that, like, they're now seeing their needs needs met and in having a better description description and, for them. And obviously theater of the mind lends itself to online D&D games a lot. It's a lot easier to prepare for because you don't have to worry about finding the right map and getting it to them or having it so they can see. In-person games, I tend to use a lot more maps um, because I think it's more fun for me to have we we use little little like d6s for enemies so we don't we don't really use all the minis but it'll be like okay here's a bunch of enemies and i'll just roll a bunch of dice on the table and the effect of that is so fun oh sure um it's also frankly it's a lot of fun being able to move around your own mini um which is where stuff like roll uh, roll 20 comes in or or similar platforms like that can be a great way to to do that but even when i have a game master who's using roll 20 i still want to encourage them to be able to move off of of the grid if they need to. If there's a surprise combat that they weren't expecting, or if there was a you know um, a scenario that they couldn't find a great you know background map for, or something like uh, use the draw functions, or 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 make up your own map, or use theater of the mind. the The other side of this is also from game masters that I see who use grids and maps all the time who then don't know how to describe a room. And this is a challenge for a lot of game masters, learning how to visually describe what the characters are seeing without using a visual example. And And also without giving something away. Totally. Half the time when I'm describing a room, I'm like, and there's a, there's a candle that is um, unlit over there. Um, just pointing that out. And then um, <laughs> there's other stuff on the bookcase. And they're like, well, we're going to go check out the candle. And I'm like, damn, how'd they figure that out? I was out? supposed to bury that lead. Oh, no. <laughs> they were supposed to find that in, in an insight check or something. Yeah. Um, that is a challenge. I, I actually really enjoy putting uh, new game masters when I have the opportunity to say, I want you to describe to me your room. I want you to describe to me the space that we're sitting in. Uh, describe to me details. Describe to me how where things are relative to you. I'm the one who you are describing the p- position of. What do I see when I'm sitting in that space? That is actually um, an interesting skill that um, we both learned when we took sign language. That's totally true. Uh, it's actually super useful for sign language. Sign language describes describes the room. Um, by using your hands to effectively sort of paint or draw the the space around you, sculpt the space around you, um, using using signs and using uh, what are called classifiers in sign language. But not only that, but if you were giving someone directions with sign language, you are going to tell it to them from their perspective. Yeah. So I'm going to t- I'm going to say, then you take a right, even though I'm facing you. And if it were me, I'd be taking a left. But it's you. That's the way you're looking. You're going to be taking a right, which is confusing when you're when you're using your hands as a as a form of signing, uh, facing somebody and then giving them the directions they need to follow. Um, it's a very interesting uh, puzzling and conundrum, but um, also a great challenge for you as a game master. I actually do the same thing when I'm teaching game masters how to run really effective combats and really engaging combats. The one thing that I want you to think about. In this particular scenario, in this particular question, is um, do my players need a visual in order to help them? And help them can mean a lot of things here. It can mean my players are having trouble visualizing what's going on, or 
my players are distracted and not paying attention <laughs> can also mean what help them means. You know, I like to provide visuals of what monsters look like because yes. I feel like it's more intimidating for a fight. And and it means that your players are going to, especially in a remote world where so many people are playing remotely, if your players are looking at a computer screen and you're having trouble keeping them engaged, put up a picture of a monster. Put up a picture of a map that they are that the the kind of place that they're fighting in put up a a, a scenery um, those things will help bring your players back into engagement within that that thing especially if you're not a particularly animated game master yourself <laughs> which is sometimes a problem you know if I if I am not moving my arms around a lot if I'm not doing a lot of facial expressions and body language I'm not very interesting to watch and that's okay if I can do great descriptions, if I can keep my players engaged in the mystery or the story, but also I have some players that get distracted or, or are not engaged when I want them to be. Yeah, It's totally up to you. I tend to use maps more in person, and uh, it, I haven't actually had to run a game online, personally. I guess that's true. I run a lot. You run a lot of, you run a lot of games. Let's just... That's true. But in general, you run a lot of games. Um but me personally, I, I tend to use them um, in person. And I suppose <laughs> if I were going Since to do never, it online, never done it online, I might have, like Adam said, I might have like a picture of a monster or like maybe a picture of a mountain. But I would probably just do theater of the mind for the rest. We really got to run a game. I know. Yeah. I know. Life is so busy. It's totally true. Adulting is hard. Ugh, adulting. It's the worst. Well, thanks for the question. Temp one M Andy, I can't remember what the. I can't say because I'll start <laughs> laughing. So I'm just gonna let you say that's how it was, right. and we'll move on to use that spell. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Use that spell. This is where I name a spell and we talk about it. Oh, let's do that. Okay, this is contact other plane. It's a oh. ritual. I believe we use this all the time. What? It's like a radio, like a CB radio. Oh. You contact the other plane. I thought, you, I thought you meant that we already talked about this one. No. And I have a running list so <laughs> that we don't talk about the same spell again. Oh, no. And by running list, I mean I put it in the title of the episode so then I could just go back and look through the titles. Oh, that's smart. It is smart <laughs> and lazy. Um, it's divination, level five, casting time one minute, range self, components V, and duration one minute. You mentally contact a demigod, the spirit of a long-dead sage, or some other mysterious entity from another plane. Contacting this extraplanar intelligence can strain or even break your mind. When you cast this spell, make a DC 15 intelligence saving throw. On a failure, you take 66 psychic damage and are insane until you finish a long rest. While insane, you can't take actions, can't understand what other creatures say, can't read, and speak only in gibberish. A greater restoration spell cast on you ends this effect. On a success, you might be thinking, this is, this is brutal. Why would I ever do this? <laughs> yeah. Well, here you go. On a successful save, you can ask the entity up to five questions. You must must ask your questions before the spell ends. The DM answers each question with one word, such as yes, no. Maybe, never, irrelevant, unclear, if the entity doesn't know the answer to the question. If a one-word answer would be misleading, the DM might instead offer a short phrase as an answer. This is from two, page 226 from the Player's Handbook, A Warlock Wizard Spell. This is a fun spell. Yeah, I don't think it's worth it, personally. I think that there's other ways to ask questions of the DM than um, maybe going insane. I like the idea that you... <laughs> that you go, you maybe even cast this spell multiple times and it keeps going wrong and you go insane for a day and then you long rest and then you try it the next day and it keeps going poorly and then you finally get through and you ask this this uh, very important question and you get like a maybe. <laughs> ask again later. Ask again later. <laughs> just a, yeah, this is just a, um, oh, an Imagigate ball. Yeah. It okay. is just a magic. It's like a magic eight ball of doom. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Shake the magic eight ball and then you go crazy for a little while. Maybe um, maybe the reason you keep casting the spell is because when you wake up, all you can remember is, oh, man, I should contact another plane. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, 
Um, it's a feedback loop. Uh, yeah, like a Groundhog Day kind of And then um, when you get to the question part, you're like, why did I ask this? Why am I contacting you? <laughs> and it'll be like crazy. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be yes, no, maybe, or never. It, it just has to be one word. Up to five questions. So, <laughs> so you don't have to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of some hilarious questions, like you ask an entity, "Would you rather have a pizza or a hot dog?" <laughs> is hot dog one word or is it two words? It says, "No." The DM answers the question with one word, so you can make your question as long as you want no, it. No, I be. know, but is hot dog one word or two? Because it might might just go hot, and then you're like, "Crap, is that hot pizza or a hot dog?" Oh. Oh, I guess the DM answers each question with one word such as yes, no, maybe. So they can use other one words. Yeah, like they can say crazy or yeah. pizza or... And apparently they can't say hot dog. <laughs> I, is it hot they could say hamburger. I actually don't know if it's one, one word. word. Hot dog is one word? I don't know. Hot dog is two words. Crap. Yeah. Maybe he would just say dog. Dog. And then you'd be like, oh man, is that D-A-W-G or D-O-G? Yeah, is he, just, is he just like saying word up? Yeah, but word. Yeah, because he can't <laughs> say the up part. I don't like this spell. Oh, no. It says, if a one-word answer would be misleading, the DM may instead offer a short phrase as an answer. Okay. So if dog <laughs> was, was misleading, then they you might, could say hot dog. Then they might say hot dog, or they might say, um, I enjoy... <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> Both. I was going to... I, I was going to make this not safe for work. I'm anyway. vegan. <laughs> I'm vegan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I Actually, I really like this spell most, mostly because of all the hilarious answers I can give as a game master. You're going like, to like devil genie this? Oh, yeah. Oh, this yeah. Thing all over instead the place. of answering it nicely? No, I would never answer this nicely. <laughs> well, okay. Oh, here's a good question. Or here's a scenario. Okay. Not a good question. I yeah. like scenarios. Here's a scenario. Yeah. Um, you have the player, the player casts this spell, and um, you give ridiculous answers, like completely ridiculous answers. And like they're crazy, and they have no idea what's going on. And then you you drop the, you wake up two days later from later from your insanity. Because it was an unsuccessful. So you like had this whole idea that you were actually asking the questions, but it was a dream, an insane fever dream. It says that you mentally contact, quote, a demigod, the spirit of a long dead sage, or some other mysterious entity from another plane. Could it just be somebody visiting that other plane who doesn't know any of the answers? <laughs> like a tourist on another plane of existence? I, I guess there's some mystery around that. Um. So, like, all their answers are like, who are you? <laughs> Why is there a voice in my head? <laughs> I don't know where that is. I'm only here for a week. <laughs> I'm on vacation. I'm on vacation. <laughs> Why are you always bugging me? <laughs> That'd be pretty pretty hilarious. <laughs> I don't think I would have this spell. <laughs> yeah, because I would not actually cooperate with yeah, you. Yeah, it'd be any terrible. Or, way. or I go insane and take sixty-six psychic damage. I mean, it can't is a, take actions. It is a level. Yeah, I mean, basically ruins your character's day. Yeah, it's steep. It's a steep cost. It's a pretty steep cost. So theoretically, you could use this to answer maybe very important questions or very very powerful questions. Um, you know, if you have a. Um, you're trying to you're trying to make a deal with somebody, and you you contact you know a, a god of truth or something, and say, "Is this person telling the truth? Are they trustworthy?" Or okay, here's one: you are putting in um, a code on like a door code, and you're like, "What is the next? Digit. What's the next digit?" And the guy goes, six. And you're like, "Okay, cool." For my next question, what, what is, is the, the next, next digit? digit? Four. <laughs> Better if it's a five-digit code. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is and then like you might if if it's too long you might go what is the last digit seven. But then you don't know the ones in between. No, but the the last one might be the hardest one. I don't know. <laughs> that could totally be the case. <laughs> 
is it worth it for me to open this vault? Is there anything good oh, inside? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's your first one. And then if they say yes, then you start asking for the door code. <laughs> is this chest I'm looking at a mimic or a real chest? <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. And especially because in our last episode, we talked about a chest, a mimic inside of a gelatinous cube. Oh, yeah. So you could be like, is that worth it to go after? Yeah. It could be pretty fun. I think it'd be hilarious. I would totally use this spell as a ritual spell. I wouldn't I wouldn't bother like making this part of my spell book or whatever, like my memorized spells for the day, but as a ritual, hilarious. I would totally use this spell. I would use it in a in the most inopportune moments too. Right before a battle yeah. and then you can't and take action. I'd be I'd be like, this is gonna totally wreck my character and I'm gonna be worthless for the rest of this. <laughs> so I hope it's worth it. <laughs> What I especially like is you get nothing. You don't even get to ask the questions if you Mm. fail the saving throw. It's pretty great. Hilarious. I wish it was a druid spell because I would totally use this in the clinical role games. Oh, that would be pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, Maybe, can you you double up? I mean, not to level five spells. Well, maybe there's an amulet or something. You can, like, cast one wizard spell. I'll have to look into it. Okay, done. Um, that being said, speaking of done, speaking of done, we're done with this podcast for today. We're cooked. Our goose is cooked. Oh, our goose is cooked. We're having goose for dinner. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> no, I'm actually having goose. I'm so full, you guys. No, I, am. I just, he gives me this look from across the room. He's giving me this like twinkle in his eye. I'm going to do it. And then he hits a button and he already has all the buttons memorized. There's no, I have all, there's no all labels. Memorized. They're just yeah, colored they're just buttons. Colors, but I know, I know them all. <laughs> yes. You, we, you know, we've lost all of our listeners now. What? Possibly. Yeah. But if you want to become a listener. <laughs> <laughs> if our last remaining listener wants to contact us, <laughs> you can do so. You can go to the website at nextsessionpodcast.com. You can submit a question. You can submit feedback about how much you hate the sound effects. Yep. Um, you can also do that on Twitter and Facebook at <laughs> Next Session or on Instagram at Next Session Podcast. So I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns talking to you from a new microphone. Uh, new microphone. Ah, uh, new microphone. Tune in next time, and we'll help you prep for your next session. Goodbye.